Good morning, Maple Grove. All right, all right. Hey, hey, I want to begin this morning by reading a passage of Scripture from the book of Acts chapter 1. And by the way, Acts is going to be our next Bible reading, and our faith comes from hearing. Um, There's a new Bible reading plan. Um, It's 50 days in the book of Acts, Acts to the ends of the earth. And I don't know about you, but I don't just eat on Sunday, food, every day. And, and, And my goal is always to encourage you guys every day to spend some time feeding on God's Word. And we do that together as a church family. And and, uh, here's the deal, though, right? Um, I cannot share the link um, with you guys. You know, I I contacted YouVersion, emailed with a girl named Dawn, and she can't figure it out. Their engineers can't figure it out. But if you're my friend on YouVersion, right? If you're not, request me, Stephen... M. Malone at Charlottesville, Virginia, a messed up, messed up guy chasing after Jesus. That's me. You'll find me there. So if you friend request me, I can accept that and invite you into this plan. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be a great time reading the book of Acts. Again, and, and the Bible app right here, you version. If you don't have this, most of you do. If you don't have this, you need to, you need to download this. There's so many different plans you can read on that. Maybe you're bad in fear or doubt or depression, anxiety, whatever. They have so many Bible reading plans on there that you can do. But what we do as a church is we, read, we do one of the plans together, and then a lot of us share, hey, I read this, and here's what I got out of it. And it's so encouraging to me to read the things that God is speaking to other people. Many times it hits them in a way that it doesn't hit me. So you guys need a friend request me. If you're not my friend already, I'm kind of disappointed in you, right? Um, Some of you, it says pending, which means I invited you and you're ignoring me or you've not been in your Bible app. I don't know. I'll choose to think you're ignoring me, all right? But anyhow, uh, uh, Acts, 50 days in Acts, it's going to be a great study. All right. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. Now, this is 40 days after the resurrection, This is 40 days after Jesus defeated death, sin, and the grave. uh, 40 days after the empty tomb. And listen, according to Luke in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, after his sufferings, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And then right before Jesus went back home, right before he ascended back to the Father, he gathers his guys for one last time. Acts 1, verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, are are, are you going to bring the curtain down on human history and usher in your forever kingdom of heaven? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority. In other words, none of your business when I'm going to do that. I, I remember when I was in Bible college, there was a NASA scientist uh, that wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. Uh, Jesus never got that memo, right? Because as far as I know, he didn't show up, right? So uh, people still want to figure it out, hey, guess what? Jesus will come back whenever he's ready. And our deal is make sure we're ready and helping other people get ready. And trying to figure out when it's going to happen is, is none of your business. But he says, it's not, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, you will be my what? You'll be my witnesses. Not, not my defense attorney. Not my salesman. But, but you'll be my witness. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus moved in my life. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Uh, We're thrilled and blown away that you will call us your sons and daughters. God, I I pray that your word comes alive today. 
Uh, God, I pray that we have open hearts, open minds, open ears. And God, I pray that you help me to say what you want me to say. Help me not to get in the way of what you want to share with your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, it's April the 16th, day 106 of the year 2023, the first Sunday after Easter. And man, did we have a great time celebrating Easter last week, amen? And the highlight for me was, was watching uh, three people, Ali, Eliana, and Jesse, be baptized into Christ. Bear with Christ. Arise to live a new life. Maple Grove is the first Sunday after Easter. Jesus is still alive, and the tomb is still empty. And the resurrection changes everything. It changes our past by freeing us from the, the pain of regret and the prison of resentment. It, it, it changes our present by making us a new person and by giving us a new purpose and a new power. And it changes our future by securing our guaranteed awesome forever, which gives us hope no matter what we face. Brothers and sisters, we are going home. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Amen? Amen. There is so much more to your life and mine than to here and now. Like forever. And Romans 8.18 says that our present sufferings can life get hard? Can life get difficult? Can life seem uphill all the time? Our present suffering are not worth comparing to the glory that one day will be revealed in us. You know, another way of looking at how the resurrection changes everything is by visualizing how the resurrection opens up three extremely important doors. You know, whenever you walk through a door, you're going from one place to another. I don't know if you knew that or not, right? You're and we walk through all kinds of doors, right? You walk through probably your bedroom door, your bathroom door, your, your front door of your house. The door's there. And, and 2,000 years ago, through his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus opened up the doors to forgiveness, restoration, and hope by changing our past, our present, and our future. Uh, question, have you walked through the door of forgiveness yet? And by surrendering to Jesus. And, and by the way, it, this is just a personal thing with me. I like the term surrender and not the term accept Jesus. Accept is like, oh, let me think about it, Jesus. Oh, okay, you die. Okay, I accept you. I, you know, that's just per, I like surrender. You know, it's not like, do I find Jesus acceptable? No, I surrender to his lordship. And so, have you walked through the door of forgiveness through Faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. And if not, why not? And if you have walked through that door, are you celebrating it? Are you living it? Are you accepting it? And repeat after me. If you walk through that door with passion, not, don't repeat with passion, but when I'm, <laughs> I am forgiven. I, am I thought I said with passion. I am forgiven. I am free. My debt is paid. My debt is paid. He has removed my sins. As far from me as the east is from the west. As the east is from the west. Psalm 103, verse 12. <laughs> okay. And repeat backs. <laughs> and, and once we walk through the door of forgiveness, we get to walk through the door of restoration. The door of becoming a new creation. Uh, the door of where we allow the Spirit to make us more and more like Jesus. Restoring the image of God that is in us. And have you walked through the door of hope? Like, are you excited about your guaranteed, secured, awesome forever. I mean, like, are, are you longing for and are you setting your heart and mind on the future that he has planned for you? It's going to blow your mind, right? No more pain. No more disease. No more death. 
No more sorrow. No more mourning. And we'll see him forever. Jesus is alive and his resurrection changes everything. And this morning, April 16, 2023, the first Sunday after Easter, uh, I want to unpack a message I'm calling, okay, now what? An Easter response. And listen, we all have a response to Easter, right? We all have a response to his resurrection, and that's what I want to talk about today, is what is the proper response? But before we go there, uh, two quick announcements. Compassion Sunday, coming up, right? Just, y'all paying attention, thank you. I wish I could say that was not on purpose. Okay, Compassion Saturday, May the 6th. Three projects, right? Three projects. And, And the laurels, I was talking to Courtney because a lot, of, a lot of people have children involved in sports. The Laurels is at 3 p.m. So you go, oh, I can't do this because I got some ball games at 10. Guess what? Uh, we just, Courtney just stole that excuse from you, right? You can blame Courtney, right? No excuse, right? And, and I can't tell you how important that is. You know, there are people there that when they come there, they never leave. There are people there that no one visits them. And just a few minutes you spend there, and little kids, if you got a little kid, it's a win, right? They just, a few minutes you spend there brightens up their day. I mean, it'll probably have a fallout that lasts for days and days to come, right? You know, and if you're too busy to do something like that, then maybe you're just too busy, right? And the other projects will be in the morning, because some of it will be outside and it gets pretty hot. Um, um, One is the Ronald McDonald House, right? You know, I, I've never had a child in a serious illness that I had to go out of town to a hospital somewhere, leave my home, maybe leave my older children or something and stay there. There are people that are doing that right now, right now. And they're wondering, hey, is my child going to be all right? And so we go there and we prepare some food that they can grab and go. And those who like to plant, you know, it's planting time. Right? To me, I cut grass, that's it, right? But some people like flowers and colors and stuff, but a lot of work to me, but it does look pretty, right? So they're doing planting out there, but it makes a difference. And then the new project is Renewing Hope Ministries is up in Madison, and it's a camp um, that a new ministry has started up there where it's letting kids go free to this camp for a week who've gone through some really hard times. You know, most of our children have not gone through the hard times that other children have. Uh, some have been in some really bad home situations, you know, uh, maybe abusive home situations, and, and they get to go to this camp for a week for free, but the camp's not ready. <laughs> um, there's a shed that needs to be leveled. There's trees, there's painting, organizing, you know, and, and um, me and Mike are in charge, and some other guys are going to go with me to kind of evaluate the project in a few weeks, but again, and, and, and maybe if you can only do two hours or, or a couple hours, but this is something we all should try to find a way that we can be involved in on that week, you know, so that we take our faith that's in here, take it out there, and make a difference to people who really need it. You know, people who are, are left alone at the laurels, you know, families that are struggling with their kids being sick, and a bunch of kids are going to a camp that we want to help this guy do it, you know, to make it look pretty when they get there. So uh, we have sign-up sheets, and, and um, don't make me start signing you up, right? Because I, I have your phone numbers. I can, like, fake it like you signed it up. I, I'll, I'll make my handwriting look different, and you get calls. I didn't know it. Yeah, you signed. Right, don't make me sign you up, right? Don't make me do that. And, and, and you can sign up. Go to our website. Look, you know, look at events. You can sign up there. But please sign up for that, right? Is, does that make sense? And, and uh, keep bringing your food over there because we're taking canned goods. You can collect them, and it helps kids who go to Baker Butler who don't have food during the weekend to have food. So just keep bringing that in. We've done a great job, but let's keep that coming. And we're going to take two. Okay, this is where we get up and welcome those around you. You got to break, get ready for what's going on next. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Uh, and I want to start off by reading a, a chunk of scripture from Luke chapter 24. Question, have you ever been disillusioned? Have you ever expected something from someone or something, but it didn't turn out anywhere close to what you had hoped for, dreamed of, or expected? The vacation turned out to be a bust. The new car's a lemon. 
The dream home becomes your worst nightmare. The new job that looks so promising is just another dead end. And the relationship, well, it, let's just say it's not going as you had hoped. Yet disillusionment is not fun. And in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 33, you may want to turn there, we make two guys who were disappointed and disillusioned with Jesus. We read in verse 13, now that same day, that would be Resurrection Sunday. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other at everything that had happened. Man, this stinks. I can't believe what happened. I mean, things were looking so good and then... They crashed and burned. Jesus is dead. They killed him. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I'm just, I'm just so tired of putting my hope in something and then having it ripped to shreds. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? I think he knew. Uh, They stood there, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped... Someone say, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since this took place. Like I said, they're disillusioned, they're discouraged, they're disappointed. Uh, We had hoped that he was the one who was going to finally redeem Israel. But he's dead, and Rome still occupies our nation. And he's been dead for three days, and the Jews believe after three days, the spirit left the body for good. I understand things did not turn out as they expected, hoped for, or wanted. Therefore, they were disillusioned and disappointed, depressed. Ever been there? Have you ever been disappointed or disillusioned with Jesus? Man, I thought he would make my life better by now. I I thought I'd be so much further along. I thought after following Jesus, I I wouldn't have these same struggles. Again, have you ever been disappointed with Jesus? Have you ever been disappointed with your ministry to or for Jesus? Why can't I ever see the results that I long for? Luke continues. In addition, some of our women amazed us. Someone say, our women amazed us. All right. Woo! Let's give it up for amazing women, right? All right. Any guy that didn't clap, you're in trouble, right? I'll give you a free one. I tossed that one right over the plate. You should have hit that one. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as a woman had said, but him they did not see. In other words, they're saying... Yeah, the tomb is empty. Some angels say he's alive, but we still don't believe. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe. All the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Man, I wish they put that on a podcast, right? That had to be incredible. As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he's at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, they talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once 
to Jerusalem. And you know, when we take the time to, to read about all the stuff that went down after the resurrection, not just in Luke 24, but in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 and in John 20 and 21, uh, there are two words that I think that literally jump off the page. It's the word believe and the word go. Believe and go. My line is believe and your line is and go. You ready? Believe. 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 Amen. Good job. Listen, there's no doubt that Jesus wanted his guys to go into the world and preach the gospel of nations. I mean, his mission was completed. On the other hand, theirs had just begun. And listen, if they did not go, it was game over. You see, Jesus did not have a plan B. It was either his guys or it was literally lights out for the entire world. A guy named Ed Cole tells this story, you know, made up story, maybe it probably happened, you know, of Jesus returning back to heaven. And all the angels are greeting him. You know, 100 million plus angels are greeting him. And, hey, Jesus, how did things go on earth? Jesus said, men will be saved. And then he raises his hands to show where the scars are. And he says, now that I've given my life for mankind, mankind can have their sins forgiven. And the angel's like, that's so awesome. It's amazing. But then they're like, Jesus, if, if you're here, how will people know about this great salvation? Jesus said, well, here's my plan. I've given the mission of sharing the good news to my disciples. And angels were like, well, what if they fail? Like, what if they get distracted by lesser things? What if they don't think it's all that important? What if they keep putting it off and procrastinating to a later time? And Jesus says, I have no other plan. Guys, we're plan A. And there's no plan B, right? And here's the deal. Before they would ever go, they first had to believe. And as we know, believe was not too high on the charge on that first Easter. I mean, Luke writes about the women running to the tomb, excited with the message that they got that Jesus was alive. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember I told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified on the third day and raised again, Luke 24, 5 through 7. And so they run back to tell the 11, and we read this in Luke 24, verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Someone say, because they're... <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> Look at the woman next to you and say, your words seem like nonsense. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. In the late Sunday afternoon, Jesus is talking to these two guys on the road to Emmaus. And they're telling him about his death, about how disappointed they were, about the empty tomb, and about how angels have said Jesus is alive. And Jesus says, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. How foolish. How slow of heart to believe. You know, I wonder if there's anything that you are slow of heart to believe. Um, maybe you're slow of heart to believe that your sins really can be forgiven through Christ alone. And not what you do, not how you perform. Maybe you're slow of heart to believe that you really can be a new person. Uh, uh, that God can help you become the person he already always has wanted you to be. Later that same night, Jesus' guys are having dinner. And Mark tells us that Jesus... Mark 16, 14, rebuke them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And Luke gives us a little more detail about that initial conversation with his guys. He said to them in Luke 24, verse 38, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? In other words, why don't you believe? Maybe Jesus would say the same thing to some in this room. Why are you troubled? 
And why did doubts rise in your mind? Uh, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and blood, as you see I have. When it said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and they still did not believe. They still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Now I'm like, okay, that seems weird. Like, how does joy and amazement and not believing coexist? I think we might say something like, it just seems too good to be true. In Maple Grove, the gospel really does seem too good to be true. Like, Jesus forgives all our sins. Like, we come to him as a sinner. He forgives us, and we sin again, and he forgives us. Almost seems too good to be true. That he's actually preparing this place for us. That's more than we could ever imagine. It almost seems too good to be true. Uh, that he's put a new power in us, that he's made us a new per- person. They just don't believe. Then Jesus asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, I'm not a ghost. See, you can't see like the food inside me, right? This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Oh, then he opened their minds so they can understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Come on, guys, you see me. You touched me. And now you see clearly what the scriptures say about me. Do you believe? Well, one week later, we see this topic of belief all over again. Now, Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the other disciples when Jesus came. Now, talk about a bad day to decide to stay home and do yard work and not go to church, right? Like, he's not with them. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless. Someone say, unless. Unless, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands to the side, I will not believe. Question, do you have an Unless. Unless I see, unless Jesus does this, unless every one of my questions is answered in the way that I want them to be answered, I will not believe. A week later, disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. So cool. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are those who have not seen me yet believe. Blessed are those who have not seen Jesus work things out as they expected or hoped for and yet believe. And then John says, Jesus did many other Miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is a Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Maple Grove, it's the first Sunday after Easter. Jesus is still alive. The tomb is still empty. But listen, even though Jesus is alive, even though the resurrection changes everything, our past, our present, our future, It does us no good unless we believe it. Get it? Good. Uh, Understand, until the disciples believed Jesus' resurrection, as far as they were concerned, was completely useless and had no impact on their life. Uh, I mean, the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. Their debt is paid. The victory is won. Yet the two guys from Emmaus were still depressed, disappointed, disillusioned, headed in the wrong direction, walking away from their hopes and their dreams. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. The debt is paid. The victory is won. Yet the 11 disciples are still afraid, worried, confused, hopeless, hiding behind locked doors. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. The debt is paid. The victory is won. Yet Thomas was still held back by his doubts and refusal to believe unless unable to celebrate and rejoice in the risen Lord. And here's the deal. If we don't believe really believe it's game over or rather it's the game never even got started there's a scene from a movie that came out in 1985 that was remade in 2011 called Fright Night 
It's a scene I've never forgotten. Pretty silly movie. Uh, this teenage kid, he thinks a vampire's boom next door to him, right? That kind of make you uneasy. He said, I know what I'll do. I'm going to get a hold of this guy who plays a vampire slayer on TV, on movies. It was played by a guy named Rodney McDowell. I'm going, to get the vamp- I'm going to get him to come and help me with this vampire, right? And, and, and the scene I've never forgotten is the scene where, you know, the character that Ryan McDowell is playing, he's, the, the vampire's on the top of the stairs, and he's coming up, and he, he has this cross in his hand, and, 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 and he's holding it up, and the vampire grabs the cross, and he's like, ah! And then he starts, <laughs> And he says, that was pretty good. He says, it only works if you believe it. It only works if you believe it. The resurrection only works if we believe it. Yes, sure, it changes everything. It can change your past. It can change your present. It can change your future. It can open up the door to forgiveness, hope, and restoration. However, it only brings about those changes if we believe I understand for years I've been haunted by a sobering truth. That the the biggest problem in my own life, in the lives of other Jesus followers, in the life of his church, is that we do not really or fully believe. Our biggest problem is that we do not really or fully believe. I mean, think about it. What else explains our own Emmaus moments? Those times when we walk away from Jesus, the church, our faith, our hope, our dreams, away from the abundant life that Jesus bought for us on the bloodstained cross, disillusioned and discouraged, because Jesus did not do what we hoped or expected he would do. I mean, what else explains those times when, like the 11 disciples, we find ourselves behind locked doors, afraid what might happen if we actually stepped outside and began living the upside-down, counterculture, self-denying life he's called us to? What else explain those times when, like Thomas, because we're not where we should be, we find it hard to both believe and celebrate the risen Lord, unless. I mean, what else explains, other than unbelief, the truth that we know that if people leave this earthly life without Jesus, they face a terrible forever, yet we're not really concerned all that much to tell them about it. It's the first Sunday after Easter. Now what? Listen, the first and foundation response to his resurrection is to believe. Is to believe. Brothers and sisters, we need to believe that Jesus is alive and the tomb is empty. We need to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, the Alpha and Omega, the mighty God, our Savior King. We need to believe that Jesus did what he said he did, defeated death, sin, and the grave. We need to believe that the resurrection really does change everything, our past, our present, and our future, opening the door to forgiveness, restoration, and hope. We need to believe that Jesus really does have all authority in heaven and on earth. We need to believe that Jesus is always with us and that we never walk alone. We need to believe that God, you know, the creator God, the God over all things, before all things, the God who holds things together, the one who makes a way where there is no way, We need to believe that capital G, nothing can stop or derail him, God. You need to believe that he really does have thoughts, plans, and intentions for your life. And that those thoughts, plans, and intentions are for your good to give you hope in the future. We need to believe that Jesus really did come to to make available life in all its fullness for everyone. And that, that everyone includes you so that you'll never thirst again. We need to believe like Peter that even when, when we, even when you mess up and deny him, if, if you repent, you can be restored. We need to believe that despite our many flaws and failures, that God has saved us completely through his grace and that you really are a masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he planned in advance for you to do. We need to believe that everyone in this world is going to spend forever somewhere. And that God has called us, he's commissioned us to go out in the world and to redirect people's eternal destinies. We need to believe that despite wherever you happen to find yourself at this very moment, that God is not done with you yet. 
that he still wants to partner with you and help create a new you, a, a better you, the you you were always meant to be, a new you that will bring him honor and glory. We need to believe that we really are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We need to believe that through faith we can move mountains. We need to believe that God does work all things out for, for good to those who love and are called according to his purpose. We need to believe that we really can consider trials as a reason for rejoicing. We need to believe that one day the sky will crack open and our king will return to take us home. And I don't know about you, but when I heard these amazing and mind-blowing truths of what I need to believe and the power of my belief, I want to cry out like the Father in Mark chapter 9. I believe, help me with my unbelief. Lord, help me with my unbelief. Lord, help those in this room with their unbelief. Again, it's the first Sunday after Easter. Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. The only proper response to Easter is to believe and then to, to go. See, once Jesus knew that his guys believed, it was time to tell them to go. It was time to tell them to go. And listen, going is, is such a big deal that we see Jesus five times telling his guys and us to go. Five times. Here in Luke 24, he's talking to his guys. He told them, this is what is written. That Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things go. He tells them to go in John chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Go. Mark 16, 15 and 16. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Go. He said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And right before he went up to heaven in Acts chapter 1, we read this earlier, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And this is part of our reading for today. And here's what hit me. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. You know, and, and, and see, the, the question is not whether or not I'm going to be a witness for Jesus. The question is, what kind of witness am I for Jesus? What kind of witness am I for Jesus in my home, in my relationships, in this church, in the community, in my neighborhood? See, we're already a, a witness, but what kind, are you, what kind are we? We're the kind of says, hey, here's what he did. Here's what he's doing. Here's what he's done for me. Believe and go is the only proper response to Easter. Get it? Good. In August of 1980, this will be hard for you to believe, I was actually alive. I know some of you are shocked. Someone fanned your neighbor and they painted and I was 20 years old, and I just finished two years of schooling in the Navy nuclear power program. And I was reporting to my first submarine, the USS Woodrow Wilson, SSBN 624. I was in the blue crew. The gold crew had the boat at sea, so I reported to the off-crew offices. My first day there, Captain Moore, Commander Moore, asked me to come into his office. You know, and, and he had a coffee cup in his hand. He had his sleeves rolled up. And I was scared to death. Here's a picture of Captain Moore. He should have had his eyes open, right? That's Commander Moore right there. And that's a good-looking sailor right there, right? You know? Uh, yeah, that, that, that is me. That is me. That was me, right? What happened? What happened? Anyhow, this is when I was getting, getting my dolphins, right? And, and so, he, again, Captain Moore, he brought me to his office. And he said, the reason I, I brought you in is I need to ensure that you fully understand the mission of the Woodrow Wilson. He told me it was a matter of national security. 
For the next 20, 30 minutes, he, he explained to me the role that a fleet ballistic missile submarine plays in our national defense. Now, I can't tell you what he said, because if I did, I'd have to kill you. If you ever wonder why in the 1980s you slept so well at night, now you know. Right? I was on patrol under the Atlantic Ocean. You see, if I was going to be part of the crew, I needed to understand the mission and what my role was in fulfilling that mission. Let me tell you, as a 20-year-old kid, I was overwhelmed by the whole thing. But at the same time, I thought it was pretty cool to be part of something so important. Now, for the first 20 years of my life, not only did I not know the mission of the Woodrow Wilson, but even if I did, it would not apply to me because I was not part of the crew. However, once I came on board, their mission became my mission. It wasn't like, you know what, Captain Moore, you know, you, I know you guys are going out to sea, but, you know, I, I got other things on. Hey, next time you're in, give me a call. You know, I'll let you know. They own me, right? If you're in the military, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you don't say, I don't think I'll make this. I'll catch the next one. That Westpac kind of seems like a long time to be away from home. Their mission became my mission. Now, about eight months before that happened, I became part of another crew. On December 30th, 1979, another mission became mine, an even greater mission than our national defense. See, on that day, I became a disciple of Jesus. On a Sunday night in Orlando, Florida, I walked up forward and I was baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I still remember that day. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, imagine with me, think back to the day that you finally surrendered to Jesus. And imagine Jesus, you're sending you a text. Hey, could you step into my office for a bit? And you're a little nervous. I mean, this is the sovereign king of the universe. But Jesus quickly makes you feel at ease. And then he says something like this to you. And I got a picture for you. Maybe. Do I? Yeah. All right. And welcome to the family. And the pictures can be important. That's why I want to put a picture of Jesus up here. I want you to imagine he's talking to you. In July 1987 at a Southern Christian Youth Conference, there was a big banner of Jesus on the stage. I was, I was penciled in, re-upping for another four years. I'd put 10 years in. And I've been, I thought I'm going to go to Bible college after I retire from the Navy. It made a whole lot more sense. And this stinking picture of Jesus. Wouldn't, you, know, you know how these pictures, like wherever you go, it's looking at you? For a entire weekend, Jesus stared me down. And before I left there, I decided I need to leave the Navy. I need to sell our house, sell our car, and go to Bible college. I can't wait. So, you know, and please, I'm not saying that to say, oh, it's just, Steve is so great. No. I'm saying this like, man, try to picture Jesus actually saying this to you. Welcome to the family. I'm so glad you make the decision to be one of my followers. It's awesome. Uh, I've been waiting for you to make this decision for a long time. I was getting a little bit antsy. <laughs> it's always so hard for me to wait to be in someone's life. And I want you to know that you're totally forgiven. Your past is canceled, deleted, erased. It's gone. And I want you to know that I'm going to be with you to help you become everything that I want you to be. And listen, I'm coming back real soon. And I'm going to take you to be with me. And where I'm taking you, oh my, it's going to blow your mind. But until then, I, I want you to say what I want you to do. Tell other people about me. Tell them what I've done. Tell them what I want to do in and through them. I want you to be my witness. Listen, there's so many people who are where you used to be, lost, headed for condemnation. So many people had bought Satan's lies, and they need to know that there is hope, that there is life, that there is purpose, fulfillment, and forgiveness, and I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you to make this the priority in your life, the thing that drives all that you do. Now, I'll be seeing you soon. Stay strong, remain focused, be faithful, do your best, and remember, 
I'll be with you always until the very end of the ages. Understand, our greatest task, the life mission of a Jesus follower, is to share the good news of the amazing grace and new life that is found in Jesus Christ. There is no higher purpose. There is no higher purpose. And listen, it's what we are to do here. It's what you are to do here until you go there. Listen, Jesus has given us the opportunity of a lifetime. An opportunity to be part of something better, something eternal, something that will outlast time and redirect the eternal destinies of people. Something that will help change this world one life at a time. And listen, it doesn't get any bigger, better than that. Amen? I mean, can you think of something? Please let me know. Because then I just waste, I'm wasting my time. But there's something better than helping people spend forever with Jesus. And if there's something better than giving hope to the hopeless, freedom to the captive, salvation, if there's something better, please let me know. We'll sell, well, I don't own this building, so I can't sell it. I'll just leave. I'll just leave. But until then, until then. And listen, to the last 2,000 years, whenever men and women heard about this opportunity and understood it, they devoted their hearts to it. They sacrificed their possessions for it. They sacrificed their careers for it. They sacrificed their homes for it. They changed, they, they changed the way they lived because of it. They lived for it and they died for it. And they did it with joy. They did it laughing, weeping, and dancing, totally blown away. That they had the opportunity to partner with the creator of the universe. Do you know who's picking you to be on your team? You're not on that fence of the ball field to let, oh, I guess I'll take Steve. There's no one else left. No. God wants you to partner with him. And listen, when we seek his kingdom first, we're going to find the way of everything that we need. We're going to find that to live really is Christ and to die really is gain. We're going to find the inexpressible joy of being his masterpiece and doing what he created us to do. And we're going to find purpose and fulfillment and contentment. Whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. See, the proper response to Easter is, to his resurrection, is to believe and go. And listen, unless we believe, we will not really go. And if we're not really going... It's because we do not really believe. What do you think about that? I mean, sit, let that one sit there, right? Like, like, like okay, suppose, suppose, suppose you have a, let's say cancer, you have cancer, you know, and, and, and you're with a lot of people, they also have cancer. And you find a cure. And you take this cure and boom, all gone, you're perfect. And then you're having dinner with these folks again. Would you tell anybody about that? Like, if, if, like this person, was, you were going to die, and now you're not. And this person could die of cancer, and you have the cure. Would anybody, raise your hand if you wouldn't tell them so we know who to avoid, right? <laughs> of course we would, right? I mean, we, what do you mean? Of course I'm going to tell them. You know, we have the cure. We have what the world needs. They may not know they need it, right? Like, no one in this room thought they needed to breathe, probably, right? But I guarantee if I had a, some water and I dunked your head in it, all of a sudden, hey, I need to breathe, right? You haven't thought about breathing the whole time. The world doesn't know they need him, but they do. Our job is to dunk them underwater, so to speak, right? Hey, <laughs> so go out and dunk somebody for Jesus, right? No. Make it like, hey, you do need him. You think you don't, but you do. All right. Sorry. That was a Steve. Let's wrap this puppy up. And hopefully some of us will not only take it home, but like the Doobie Brothers... We will take it to the streets. Taking it to the street. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Goodness. Apologize. Anyhow, let's take this home. Again, we've been given an opportunity of a lifetime to make a difference in a lost and broken world. What if we seize that opportunity? What if we believed? What if we said yes to divine go? What if we lit up this world with the light and the living hope that's found in Christ alone? What if we spilled his love, his mercy, and compassion everywhere we went? 
What if we leverage all our resources, our time, our talents, and our treasure for the good of the world, the sake of his church, and the glory of God? What if we really did make God's kingdom our primary concern? What if we actually did the good works that God planned in advance for us to do? What if we were more a follower of Jesus than an admirer of Jesus? What if we refuse to settle for a life that's less than the life that Jesus won for us on a bloodstained cross? What if redirecting where people spent forever was our all-consuming passion? What if we really walked through the door of forgiveness, restoration, and hope? What if we really saw Jesus for who he is, really is, as worthy, as a Messiah, as God, as the one we've been waiting for? What if believing and going just began to be kind of what defines us? What if we all strive to live what's on these banners that are hanging from the wall? How can I seek the lost more? How can I show more compassion? How can I make disciples? How can I honor God? Biblical authority. How can I depend more on God? How can I live more in community? What if we lived in such a way that outlives our life? What if this Easter season we allowed the resurrection to change everything? To change us. To change the church. To change the lives of other people through us. I mean, it can happen, right? It happened once, right? I mean, like 11 guys scared by the door. And today, 2,000 years later, we're there because they didn't stay locked behind that door. Right? It can happen, right? And when I say all this stuff, again, I'm like that dad in Mark 9, right? Like, I believe, right? I can believe it can happen. I can believe that can be the passion that drives us as a church, man. We've got to find just one more. That we can't sleep at night if we know that person doesn't know Jesus and hadn't surrendered to him. That we're like, hey, I can't let a brother and sister drive off a cliff. I'm going to help them out, right? Believe and go, right? That's the way to celebrate Easter, right? Yeah, I'm all for throwing out candy on Easter, right? You saw that? Or, and buying. I got me one of those uh, solid dove uh, bunnies. Didn't last, didn't last an evening with me, man. They're a good chocolate right there, right? Yeah, I'm all for that. I'm all for taking pictures, right, for dressing up. I mean, I, I dressed up pretty, pretty high uh, last week, you know, you know, shocking people, you know. But, and that's all fine and good, but the best way to celebrate Easter is to believe and to go. Amen?